Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What did you all want to be when you were younger? I don't even know we still ask that question so much because it's so overwhelming to kids these days. In some ways, I think the cruelest thing we do to a child is to look them in the eye and say, you can be whatever you want to be. Because it's a little bit overwhelming, all the different things you could be. Back when I was a kid, it was much simpler. People wanted to be a firefighter or a police officer or a doctor, or if they were really strange, a lawyer, or even stranger, a politician. If they were really filled with grandeur, maybe they wanted to be a hockey star or a movie star. But now kids want to be social influencers. They want to be YouTubers. They want to make millions off of convincing people to buy other people's stuff. Do you ever wonder what Jesus wanted to be when he grew up? What he thought he was going to be? After all, his family was in the carpentry business, and so I'm sure there was a lot of pressure on him to at least in the time being, before he was going to do whatever he was going to do, learn how to hammer a few nails and saw a few boards. Of course, his heavenly father knew what he wanted him to grow up to be, which was his Christ, his Messiah. And the job description for that, every bit as much as this wide open, you can be whatever you want to be thing we do to our kids, is just as daunting. You have an entire set of books we call the Old Testament that lay out what is expected from the Messiah of God. And that's what Jesus knew he had to be. The one who would fulfill all righteousness and become obvious to the world, become epiphany, because after all, that's what that word means, to reveal at his baptism. It's in Jesus's baptism that we know exactly what Jesus is going to be, what his chosen occupation and profession is. Not that we see him now becoming the son of God, but rather we see what that job will entail. Very famous heretic from the 200s, Paul of Samosata, taught something called adoptionism, where he was so excited about Jesus' baptism that he thought it was in the baptism itself that Jesus became the Son of God. Of course, that's because he saw it more as a title or a function, not who Jesus actually is. We know from Christmas that it was at his incarnation in the womb of Mary and then his coming forth into the world that we discovered that Jesus truly is the Son of God. But it is also true that it's at his baptism that we come to find out what that actually means. What it means that Jesus will fulfill all righteousness that he will fill up what is lacking in us and in creation of holiness. The various ways in which we are not the people God created us to be. And that Jesus has come into the world to remedy that by being the human being that God expected Adam was going to be. 
Luther talks about it this way. He says, Jesus at his baptism reveals that he has been baked into our cake. You ever made a cake? It's Christmas time. It's the kind of time when we do baking and that sort of thing. You take your flour, you take your sugar, you take your water and your eggs and your milk and everything, and you put it all together and out comes this wonderful, wonderful thing with icing on top and sprinkles that you get to eat. Now, if I were to ask you to take that cake and give me back the flour and the water and sugar, you wouldn't be able to do it. It's inextricably connected together. And that's what's revealed at Jesus's baptism. That this thing he is going to grow up to be, the Messiah, his occupation, his profession, begins by him so identifying with sinners that in name we can actually call him one. That Jesus becomes for our sake sin. He who knew no sin becomes one with us and says that which should rightly fall on our shoulders, God's condemnation will instead fall on his. You see, God's righteousness is not ours. Righteousness, it's a big word, but what it basically means is that everything is working the way God intends, that people put others before themselves, that we do not steal, that we do not murder, that we do not commit adultery, that we do not bear false witness against our neighbor, even in our thoughts. If that were such a world, the world would be righteous like God is righteous. And yet it's not. One of the ways that we can really clearly see the difference between God's righteousness and ours is in what we do with names, markers of identity. Our identity, our occupation, the reason why when we get older, we decide that maybe firefighter and police officer and lawyer isn't for us, but we want something bigger and better is because we are told we should make a name for ourselves. That's what we do with occupations and names. We want to be famous. We want to be social influencers. We want everybody to look at us and say, what product should I buy? What television should I get? What video game should I acquire next? What movie should I watch? We want to be famous and rich. And we want to have power. We want to make a name for ourselves. And that problem goes all the way back to Babel. The very reason why we were given different languages to spread out over the face of the earth, because we were trying to make a name for ourselves. That is what unrighteousness is. Righteousness, in contrast, is what God does with his name. To give it to others. To seek desperately to put his name on your foreheads. It is why Jesus says in his very last words in Matthew's gospel, go therefore and make followers of me of all nations by baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, taking my name, the name of God himself, and putting it on your foreheads. God's righteousness is such that he does not want to make a name for himself. He wants to take his name and give it to you, that you might be called his children, that you might be called sons and daughters of God. 
And that is what baptism is all about, isn't it? That starting with Jesus's baptism, he takes our name on himself and says, your occupation, which is being bitter against your neighbors, doing all the things God says not to do, or if not doing them, at least thinking about them and wishing you could do them, will now be on Jesus's shoulders. And his occupation, which is giving up everything he has for you, will become yours. And his good name, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, now gets given to you. So that the father can look at you and I and say the very same thing. You are my beloved sons and daughters. And with you, I am well pleased. That means that if we are Jesus's brothers and sisters, if we now have his name on our foreheads, then the spirit is at work in us to do the same things in our world that Jesus did in his. This is how Christ remains alive even today, not simply up in heaven, but by his spirit that he breathed out being alive in us. Isaiah, when he was describing Jesus's occupation, His job, what he was going to do, said, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, so that he will bring forth justice to the nations. And how does he bring forth righteousness and justice? He doesn't cry aloud. He will not lift up his voice or make it heard in the street, try and make a name for himself. A bruised reed. He will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. That's what Jesus means when he tells John, It is so for now that I fulfill all righteousness that this become my occupation, and that now, in turn, that occupation is ours. That we don't go around breaking off bruised reeds, we don't go around snuffing out dimly burning wicks, that we are patient and kind, merciful and gentle, that we proclaim the good news of Jesus with grace, because we know the kindness it brings to people to know that God loves them and has redeemed them at the cost of the life of his one and only son, even a death on the cross. Jesus exchanges his righteousness for our unrighteousness, that his righteousness might become ours, and that we in turn might actually become social influencers. Not the kind that are trying to get people to buy stuff on YouTube but the ones who go out into the world and breathe out to others the same spirit that is in us, in our baptisms. The Holy Spirit, the one who doesn't snuff out dimly burning wicks or crush bruised reeds, but desires to bring forth justice. So I'm reminded of a song that a friend of my sister's sang for the Canada Day celebration this year. He was actually a fellow student with Lara at Bishop's University. He's gone on to become quite a famous singer. And the song that he sang on Canada Day sounds 
like a sinner song, like somebody trying to make a name for himself. Today, I'm going to try and change the world. But then he surprises us. Today, I'm going to try and change the world, going to take it one day at a time. I've made my resolution. I've opened up my eyes, and today I'm going to try and change the world. I'm going to say hello to my neighbor, greet them with a smile, shake the hand of a stranger and sit and talk with them for a while. Tell someone I love them from the bottom of my heart, today I'm going to try and change the world. That's how Jesus has influenced the world, hasn't he? He didn't form an army. He didn't aspire to be a general. He didn't say, Mom, when I grow up, I'm going to be the emperor of Rome. Mom, when I grow up, I am going to be Pontius Pilate. Mom, when I grow up, I'm going to be king of Israel, and everyone's going to have to do what I say. Now, Jesus went out from village to village and town to town and community to community and healed the sick, raised the dead, preached good news to the poor, and announced the coming of the kingdom of God. And by his death, demonstrated that he who knew no sin had become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. That we are a new creation, children of God through the blood and baptism of Jesus, on whom the spirit descended, not like an eagle or a falcon, but like a dove, to change the world. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.